Welcome to the Life as an Observer podcast. My name is Ryan Bean. I am your host in self-observation. This podcast is an exploration of physical and non-physical self through discussion around yoga, meditation, self-improvement, self-realization, and practices that elevate the mind-body-soul connection. Let's start observing. Today on Life as an Observer, I get the unique opportunity to speak with Tom Denard, an attorney by trade, but an adventurer by heart. Tom teaches us to walk in nature peacefully as a way of our own healing. Um, Through his nine books and all the many characters he's met along the way, Tom is an inspiration through his daily word, through his facility, the hostel in the forest, and really through his daily works. Tom is someone who inspires me personally and has taught maybe thousands through his words. In today's conversation, we talk about some of his adventures to Mount Kilimanjaro, Everest, the Andes, walking in the footsteps of Gandhi through India, and being around as the wall in Germany fell. Take a good listen to what Tom has to say. There are some simplicity in in Tom's words, but there's also just a little bit of work. And Tom explains how we can simplify this work and make our own healing quite easy if we just show up and be a conduit, a conduit for the spirit. Take a listen to today's words from author of A Recollection of Characters Along the Way. His Pine View to Paris book is out now, and um, his daily words coming every single day to your email. So I'd like to welcome Tom Denard to Life as an Observer. Tom is a attorney by trade, but an adventurer by heart. Uh, his new book, Pine View to Paris, a recollection of characters along the way. We're gonna chat about that a little bit and also just really talk about how nature is an integral part of our, our day and how we get into nature and really what that means to to be an adventurer and an explorer and really to embrace life to its fullest because it does offer it to us every single day. Hi, Tom. Welcome to the, welcome to the podcast. Oh, Ron. Thank you. A pleasure to be here. Yeah, definitely. We, we've had many conversations and they've usually been in um, intimate settings, more intimate settings, whether that be in a, in a tree house or sitting on a front porch or, you know, sitting underneath a beautiful tree. And I'm, I'm glad that the technology has gave us the opportunity to, to, to reconnect uh, two way. I, I actually, I receive a lot of one way communication from you, um, uh, from your daily word uh, emails, which I just, I cherish. And I don't know, I don't know uh, if you know this, but th- those, those get shared a lot. Um, I share them in yoga classes and in meditations and, um, certainly, um, your words go beyond just that of the computer to one person or to ten, you know, hundreds of people. Um, I know that, that your daily word has evolved over the years. Uh, I've, I've been a part of it since it was a, a, an email and now it's, it's kind of turned into a newsletter, but, um, so your daily word is, is become kind of a, uh, we'll call it a, a a routine, you know, looking forward to those things. And, um, you know, that started out as, I guess it started out as a, as your, as your first book, or did it start out as actually as a, as a email to people? Tell me how the well, daily word started. started out. 
Well, what happened is uh, when I have three children, I have a daughter who's oldest and then two sons. And when they uh, left home, I uh, felt that they continued to need my advice. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I began uh, sending them a daily word, which was just uh, various uh, philosophical things that are I've wanted to share with them to help them along in their life as they were uh, getting out, exploring, and so forth. And uh, and so it was really just started off with the three children, and then some other family members wanted me to include them, and then it started uh, moving on to other friends and so forth, and really by word of mouth. And uh, and now I send it out. To 197 uh, recipients, mm-hmm. and uh, and then my son, who owns the Savannah Bee Company, and uh, he has 175 employees, so he sends it to his 175 employees. So there's some 350 to 375 people who receive it each day, and like I say, it started out with just my three children. So, but but I. Well, I mean, I, I'm not a, a preacher. I'm one who is seeking still, believe me. And I, I look for things to send out in my daily words for things that I needed to hear myself. Uh, and so when I read something and I'm like, yeah, yeah, man, I need to hear that. And, yeah. and that's, that's how I do my daily words. Oh no! I, I mean, I, I agree completely. You know, when I when I left uh, when I left India and I was re- I received a, a certificate of completion for one of my yoga trainings and my my guru he handed me the certificate and he goes, "Yeah, you're a teacher now." And I could see something in his eyes, and I wasn't sure exactly what he was trying to. And I, I, and I so I just sort of followed his enthusiasm, and I took my certificate and I said, "Yeah, I'm gonna go teach now." And he said, and he took it back from me, and he said, "Don't forget, you're always." always a student and absolutely we're we're always learning for sure always learning and and so yeah i mean your your son passes it out to people and i you know i'll I'll have people in my my yoga classes and i would guess that that um i would guess that that message is is just like a, a snowball rolling down the hill that 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 175 then pass it on to those who need that message and so it's certainly uh, not just a daily word, but a daily momentum for 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 many. And um, so, it started out as a as a collection of, of messages, and now it's you have two versions of the daily word, right? I I, I have two of yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. I took um, um, well three hundred and sixty five, uh, and and made it into a, a book, uh, which was uh, the first daily word book, and. Uh, and then after I accumulated another, uh, how many ever, and then I, I did uh, another uh, second book. So I have two daily word books, and, and of course all the messages in each one are different. Yeah, uh, yeah. And you know, I, 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 uh, that's one of my best selling, selling books is the daily word. Well, uh, I, so. I, I certainly love it. I. I I think that there's probably been people that have come through, and I guess it's it's time to introduce. So, so Tom has been a, a traveler. You've traveled, um, if I remember right, uh, over over fifty or sixty countries. You've you've seen all of Europe. You've done the Appalachian Trail a few times, and climbed uh, or hiked up Everest and the Andes, and done a bunch of really uh, you know great mountains. 
and in turn met a bunch of people. And so some of your, the, the latest book is really about some of those interactions, your, the Pine View to Paris, um, and the Daily Word has been kind of a collection of inspiration from maybe some of those trips or places that you've gone or things that you've looked up or things that people have told you. And, and the Daily Word is certainly uh, one of many of your books, or actually two, I guess we'll say it's two, um, uh, Born a Ramblin' Man and, and then Pine View to Paris. And you have another one that, right, that I've, am I missing another one of your books? Well, I've, I've published nine books, including this new one, yeah. Pine View to Paris. And uh, uh, a lot of them, of course, are about my travels. And uh, the very first book I, I published uh, came about as a result of when I would come back from one of my trips, I would write a, a synopsis of the trip and and sent it out to all of my family and friends. And uh, one of my <clears throat> friends said, why don't you publish it? And I said, well, I never thought about that. But anyway, I did. But it, it's a, a collection of, of building the hostel, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. And uh, and then the Everest thing. And I didn't go to the top of Everest. I went about halfway up. And uh, But I did go to the top of Kilimanjaro. And, like you said, a number of other mountains that I've climbed around the world. And, uh, uh, but, uh, then let's see, I, well, one of the chapters is about the, those two climbs of Everest and Kilimanjaro. Then, uh, coincidentally, I happened to be in, in Europe when the wall was coming down in 1989. And mm. so I took off to, to, uh, Berlin and, uh, and uh was there when all that was happening and that was quite an experience for me uh some years earlier i had uh just met a guy that i when i was hiking in the tatra mountains in poland and i met this guy from east germany and uh so we uh, sort of hit it off and because we both were married and had children and uh anyway uh of course he never had been uh out of the communist countries of Eastern Europe. And so anyway, when the wall was coming down and I cabled him and let him know that I was in Berlin. And so he said he wanted to come. And anyway, I was standing at the break in the wall when he came walking through and for the first time ever coming into the freedom of Western Europe. And mm. it was a very emotional experience for him and for me too, for that matter. So anyway, I've got that in as one of the chapters in the book, and uh, that's, in, know, uh, that's in Pine View to Paris. No, no, it's in uh, Discovering Life's Trails. Discovering Life's Trails. Okay. Yeah, that was the first book I ever published. Mm. And then, like I say, I've had uh, eight more since then that I've published. Well, it sounds like you know the 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 travels and the places um, are, are certainly that, 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 that create stories. I, I'm, I'm curious, what is it that, um, uh, you know, a lot of your travels have been in mountainous areas and right now where you live is not very mountainous. <laughs> I was living in, I was living in Florida um, for the longest time. And I realized, you know, when I, when I went to India that, uh, that the mountains are there's just something quite magical that happens in, mm. in the mountains and i don't it's not something that we can really 
you know, identify, we, it's just a feeling, right? We can't just point at it and we can say that's beautiful, but there's also beauty in the swamp, but it's just, there's yeah. something that, that that's in the air and it has to do with vibration and the rocks and, and uh, that that's in the mountains. And I realized that when mm -hmm. I was in India, but can you, can you talk about what that inspiration maybe feels like to you when you're yeah. in the mountains? Sure. Well, I grew up, uh, in a very small town in middle Georgia, uh, farming country. And, uh, <clears throat> there were only 300 people in the town. And of course, obviously I knew everybody and everybody knew me. And so the way my mother raised me was when I was about four or five years old, she turned me out of the house and just said, be back by dark. And so I had the whole town as my playground, but I had mm -hmm. other friends and we would go fishing in the creeks and skinny dipping in the spring and uh, just walking in the woods and everything. And I did a lot of that on my own, just uh, out in, in the woods and in nature. And and I'm sure that was the beginning of my feeling toward nature. And I mean, there's no more spiritual place in the world that I've ever been uh, that is more spiritual to me than nature. And I've been in some of the great cathedrals of the world and some of the ashrams and, uh, and, and uh, the Buddhist monasteries and so forth, but I never have the feeling of the spirituality that I do when I'm out in nature. And uh, I taught a, a class here in the local college, uh, a hiking class. Uh, it was <clears throat> in adult education. And uh, taught for 20 years and uh in fact twice a year in the spring and the fall and i took all my students uh we'd go up on the appalachian trail and hike and there was another trail called the chatuga river trail where you were where we hiked beside this crystal clear water and, and uh of course swim in the water as well and uh and then we would take an uh annual trip uh to a foreign country and a lot of the students went with me and uh but gosh we've been to so many different countries i can't even remember them all uh, mm -hmm. i had uh, not too long ago somebody asked me how many countries i've been to and i thought i'm not real sure so i i pulled up on the internet all the countries in the world and checked them off and i can't remember but it's a little over 70 that, that i've been to mm. but uh but anyway getting back to the spirituality that that's 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 my church so to speak is is being out in nature and, and so that, i mean that had a great deal to do with uh building the hostel uh and i'm sure you'll want to talk about that at some point yeah i mean we we, we can kind of segue to that there yeah, the hostel i think really exemplifies that what that you're saying because at least for me when i've visited and and for those who visit, they, they find that there is something special about being away from the hustle and bustle of daily city life. And sometimes we forget that, that what you just said, that nature can be super healing and it, it can be your church. Even if you're not one who's saying, I want to go to an organized religious chapel to just sit and commune with the trees and with the turtles and with the ducks and even just getting your feet in the dirt 
creates um, a, a vibration that says I'm, I'm open to receive. I'm open to receive inspiration from all that is. Because I think when we look at um, places like the hostel or places that are set up with, with intention in mind, that when we, when we enter them, we, we can move back into the harmony that nature always has had. I think uh, all animals and trees and all that has equanimity and, and, but humans tend to put things out of balance. And when we move back into places that are uh, sanctuaries, if you will, we are able to immerse ourselves back in the harmony that has always been there. And I think that the hostel does that um, very, very flawlessly. And I'm sure it has its share of challenges. And I remember being there. Uh, so those who are listening, the, the hostel is in, is in southern Georgia down near Brunswick. And it's a, a, a place for retreats and a place for healing and a place just to come and, and, and be off the grid. And there's lots of reasons why you would want to go there. But um, the, the living accommodations, um, I think you, you created the space in 1975. Is that right, Tom? That's right. Yeah, we yep. opened in July of 75. And I'm not. It's it's grown a little since then, but I think that you've you've intentionally kept it um, intimate. And I, I there's a, a number of tree houses on the property, and some geodesic domes, and a few community spaces for yoga and movement. Um, but you've intentionally kept it intimate. And can you talk about that a little bit about the, the yeah. space and the well, intimacy of we, it? Uh, uh, Yes. Well, it started out with 75 acres, uh, and it was woodland, or more like swampland. Uh, but uh, we now have 142 acres, and uh, <clears throat> there's um, we have hiking trails, and uh, like you said, we have we have a lake uh, where people swim, and uh, uh, <clears throat> the, uh, we have places for meditation and and for yoga, in a place. We call the glass house because it's um, glass surrounding uh, sliding glass doors, and uh, and and like you say, it it's a place. I mean, all of us who work in in towns or cities or whatever, in a busy life, you need a, pl- a retreat. You need a place to go just to get your head back together, and that's what the hostel is about. It's just and because you can be there just independently on your own. You don't have to have any classes or anything. You can just go out and, and be alone and, and uh, sit and, and uh, meditate or whatever so that you can uh, commune with nature. And, and even for me, and my gosh, I've been doing it, what, 46 years, I guess. Uh, it's, uh, it's a very spiritual place for me now. And I have my own little treehouse back away from everybody else. And, and I go out there frequently, and and I actually I do a lot of my writing out there, and uh, but it's just right in the midst of nature, and there are birds flying around, and squirrels in the trees, and all kind of things going on, and uh, uh, but it's just so peaceful, and and uh, in fact, when I get any calls when I'm out there, and they'll say, "Well, where are you?" and I always have time in heaven. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and it's to me that is my <laughs> if heaven can be as good as that you know i want to go <laughs> well i i agree and i i don't i don't think that that it's 
that it can be duplicated or you know copied it, it is certainly its own entity um and it's certain it's special to to a lot of people so there's a lot of gratitude from me that the space exists and 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 others i I think one of our first conversations was in your in your in your house. I know that you uh, occasionally, I don't know how often you do it now, but uh, would would host a, a tea time in your in your treehouse and just kind of just kind of how we're talking now, just a, a conversation about things in life and what we're feeling. And um, you know, some days they're they're very lighthearted, and some days they're you know the conversations are quite um, serious and healing and spiritual in nature. And I think that. The, it's just about the vibration of the people that are there and the community and 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 I wanted to talk about that a little bit is the the community that is has kind of built around your daily words and built around the the environment of the hostel of the forest and is is one that is always um, it, it's it's a lifelong uh, built community even though I don't live in you know I don't live in Georgia I live on the east coast you know I still keep in contact with many people who I have um communed with there and we talk about you know the different things and when we can go back and you know we, we a couple of us had a tradition where we would go every new year's eve and and we were there for every new year's eve to to have a, to celebrate it in a different way you know we would celebrate it and um by getting back into nature and that's definitely um the key ingredient i know that there's been a lot of work to keeping the permaculture aspect of the hostel um, number one priority. And I don't understand all of it. I'm, I'm wanting to learn a lot of it, but I know that you do a lot of work with, uh, the gray water and composting and growing food and, um, solar. And, you know, I, I could tell you that I've taken, I don't know, hundreds of outdoor showers there and, you know, let the water feed the, feed the forest. And I, I kind of wanted to, to hear a little bit about, some of the things that you're doing in the way of permaculture out there and kind of giving back to nature. Um, I know yeah. that yeah. Well, well, we have uh, composting toilets as well. And uh, since you've uh, been there, we've put in a, a new one that uh, a type of uh, composting toilet that actually is very expensive, but really, really works well. And uh, so that's, you know, we've always had composting toilets, but this this is uh, cutting edge. Uh, and uh, we have outdoor showers for people, so so you have privacy, but you're out in nature taking your shower and actually have hot water with the showers. Uh, one of the organized spiritual things that we do is sweat lodges. And on full moon, we, uh, we have sweat lodges and... Uh, we have someone who is the the leader, or they call the poorer, and uh, and that's all. You know, whenever I come out of a sweat lodge, I, I just feel like, oh my God, if I could just feel like this the rest of my life, it would be heaven. It's be wonderful. It's just such a spiritual experience. It takes about four hours to go through the sweat, and uh, and you do a lot of physically sweating too, but. But you get rid of a lot of, uh, not only physically, you get rid of poisons in your body, but also poisons in your mind. And uh, just such a such a healing thing. And uh, another thing that we have, Ryan, that you, you had mentioned is, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> well, I, I started to say compulsory, but not really. 
that everybody hugs everybody. Mm-hmm. So uh, anytime a, a guest comes, uh, they get hugged by the uh, whoever's signing them in. And of course, I always hug everybody too. And mm-hmm. uh, and you know, it, it just kind of cuts the ice so that you feel really at home and feel at home with the people and with nature and everything. And and you were talking about the permaculture, and we have. I mean, probably we we this since we've been closed, we have the best uh, come uh, garden that we've ever had, and uh, it's I mean just incredible the uh, the vegetables that we've been growing out there and all winter long, and uh, <clears throat> and then we have uh, chickens. We have uh, right now we got I think thirty five or forty chickens and. <laughs> Either fortunately or unfortunately, they all produce eggs, and <laughs> we got so many eggs they're coming out of our ears because we don't have any any guests except our. We have two people who are, have been caretakers since we closed down, but uh, but anyway, so uh, they, they give away eggs to everybody, and they give a bucket full to me, and I pass them out to friends mm. and neighbors and everything. So. Uh, but 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 when the hospital is open and the guest, then that means, you know, there's a bucket of eggs in the kitchen that everybody can have fresh eggs for breakfast. And one <laughs> one amusing thing was, one person was sleeping in a in the dome, and it was uh, the door was open, and a um, a hen went in, and he was in his sleeping bag, and a hen went and got on top of his sleeping bag while he was sleeping and laid an egg. <laughs> and when he woke him up when the chicken was cackling, he said, you know, I've heard of fresh eggs, but no, this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Delivered an omelet right to your bed, be- breakfast in bed. Right. Well, there's certainly a lot of, um, there's a, I, my, I love the ducks and I, I, I think my, my daily routine when I visit is to pick up a rake and just to, to have my feet in the dirt and rake the pathways. And I, I it's not that they need raking. I mean, I guess eventually they would, but there, there's something really, uh, wonderful about just kind of having your feet in the dirt and, and, and. For me, it's that raking. Maybe it's the sound that the rake makes and the, the lines that it makes on the ground. And that's usually how I spend mm-hmm. my after breakfast is, is, mm-hmm. is just sort of doing that. And so it's, it, that's been a, a certainly healing. But also part of it is really the people who come always seem to offer um, lessons. And we talked about how we're always, uh, we're always students. And so there's always these I mean, it kind of is the basis of, of your books is like these characters that we meet along the way. And I have certainly learned from many people that I've met and people who continue to show up in my life in very interesting and uh, uh, not unexpected ways. And, and I, I'm hoping that you could maybe talk about some of some interesting characters that maybe have taught you lessons along the way. Um, you know, the people who maybe have oh, come my. to visit you, even if you, I know there's probably hundreds of them and you don't need to give away any of them from your book, but just, just some people that maybe have taught you some lessons along the way that have come to visit. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because, uh, oh, a few weeks ago, 
somebody asked me, said, who, what would be the three most inspirational beings that you've ever known that have really inspired you? And I said, well, I guess Jesus and Gandhi and Rufus, my golden retriever, <laughs> who is the sweetest, lovingest dog you've ever seen. He loves everybody and will go up to him and just, you know, he just wants to be loved and he wants to love everybody else. And and I always say, if I could just be like Rufus, I would be be the most wonderful person in the world. Oh, man. But, uh, uh, but as far as the hospital goes, I mean, gosh, we have so many people who come there who are teachers. And, uh, you know, not only just yoga teachers and meditation uh, leaders, but uh, just 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 people. And just if you can find somebody and just sit back and talk with them, uh, they've had such inspirational lives. And, uh, you know, in the beginning of the hospital, most all of our guests were from foreign countries and uh, mainly European countries and a lot from Australia, Central, I mean, uh, yeah, Australia and South America and Central America. And, uh, but, uh, but, you know, they, they add a lot because it's, uh, you know, something that, that they've known from their country that they pass along. And, and it's just such a good place for, for learning from other people just sitting around talking. And you were talking about the, what we call tea time with Tom is where I tell the guest about how the hostel got started and then go back to my place and uh, sit around and have a cup of tea and uh, and uh, let everybody sort of tell their own story. And, uh, and that's always very inspirational to me. Uh, and, uh, you know, we have over 17,000 people on Facebook and we have over 16,000 members. And uh, so the hospital is a very popular place. It really is. And during this time of uh, uh, of having to close, uh, and we were all so concerned about, oh my gosh, you know, we had to, the reason we have a mortgage is because uh, the, the surrounding property, unfortunately, developers were coming in wanting to buy up the property and build homes and everything all around. And we just didn't want that. And so every time some property would come up, we'd have to go buy the property to keep it from being developed. And, uh, of course we didn't have the money to buy the property. So we, we have a pretty sizable mortgage that we're having to service every month. And with no income, it was like, Oh gosh, what are we going to do? And uh, so one of the board members suggested, well, why don't we just put it on the website and just see if any of the members are, are willing to make a contribution? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, you know, most of the members who come, you know, don't have a lot of money. And they, I don't know that we'll get much. Maybe maybe it's possible we could get $1,000. And he said, well, you know, it's still worth it. Let's do it. Well, within a month, we had over $15,000 that people had sent in. And, uh, I mean, that's just an indication of how much people really love the hostel. Yeah, it's an important place. It's an important place to, to uh, a lot of people, um, including myself, just that it's, uh, um, you know, we, we have these places in our mind where we had significant events or where we've felt a certain way. 
And for me, uh, Mother Ganga in northern India is one. There's some ashrams up there that have that have brought that healing for me. And then the hostel in the forest is another. And we we look at them as our uh, just as you say, you know, nature is is the the, the chapel. I, I think that those specific locations really are where a lot of healing has happened and is a chapel for many. So yeah, of course we want to support and and contribute as much as possible and you know, uh, walk peacefully in nature is, 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 um, we always want it to be there. <laughs> we want a, a space yeah. to be there and not over, uh, commercialized. And, you know, I, it's, it's nuts. I would imagine in 1975, you had the space all to yourself out there and then houses <laughs> but, came yeah. in and, and, you know, even now it's still, you have to know where you're going to get there, but you know, the, the um, you know, you got to know where the roads are and whatnot, but I can imagine, you know, as, as the town started growing and population started growing, I mean, I don't know what the population is there, but I know uh, I was doing some statistics on Pineview, which is uh, just because I was curious, but yeah, it hasn't grown much since since then either. I mean, I think the the, the census was <laughs> was about five hundred uh, people and in, in, in uh, or five hundred people in uh, the last census, five hundred and ninety something. So it hasn't grown, but where the hostel is has grown. You know, down towards oh, Brunswick and yeah. St. Simons and all that area has grown, and it's just going to continue to do that. I live in southern Utah um, near Zion's National Park, and it, you know, beautiful part of the world. But every every time I go out, I, I I am seeing more and more of the land being developed, and you know, which has its beauty and and you know wonderful things. But we do, we want to keep certain areas um, as sanctuary. So I appreciate, I appreciate. I'm sure others do that. You're keeping that space as a sanctuary. If we could only, you know, protect the the forest around it and 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 keep it that way, because there is there is a natural beauty to the lake. You know, I know that that is you know. Um, water some of that is filtered right through the limestone and um you're using that kind of as part of the permaculture pro permaculture project and um we just want to keep that as part of the you know part of the the, the sanctuary so certainly yeah uh, the there the springs in the lake that uh, feed the water so usually the lake you know stays uh, relatively full or and then people will kayak around in the lake and or and swim and we have a a dock out in the middle of the lake where people swim out to the dock and and uh but one thing i was just thinking about that we haven't mentioned is uh the labyrinth uh mm. we, we have a, a rather sizable labyrinth and in fact there was a woman who was traveling uh from maine to, to miami who was very uh, big into labyrinths and she wanted to study all the labyrinths along the way. And she said that ours was the largest labyrinth that she had mm. found. And, uh, but it's, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure that I can give you a, a real good description of labyrinths other than walking labyrinths is supposed to uh, be a, a cure uh, for not only physical ailments but mental problems as well and uh i mean i can't explain why or how it works but but i mean labyrinths go back thousands of years in fact when i was in crete i saw some of the first labyrinths uh, that were ever built 
Uh, but it, did you have a loft elaborate when you? Were I, there? I I certainly did. I, I I have many times. I think a lot of that is the is the vortex of energy that, that that's around them. And but I you know I remember I was it was several years ago. There was a hurricane that came through that area, and mm -hmm. it actually took out one of the tree houses that sits there by yeah. the labyrinth. And I and I was yeah. I was happy to see. That the, that the labyrinth was restored and and that that area had become more of a meditation where a meditation deck where the old mm -hmm. bamboo hut i think it's what it was called the bamboo house or yeah that's right mm -hmm. it, it was it had fallen and what a massive tree also i mean i just i i, I remember yeah. that tree being so i mean hundreds maybe hundreds of years old that it oh, sat yeah, in and I think just the, the the land got saturated and wet and it just tipped over and took out the treehouse with it. Luckily, yeah. you know, the only damage was to the treehouse and, and it looks like the labyrinth was restored. But yeah, I've, I spent many times walking in there. Um, I would take my hand mm -hmm. pan to the, to the center and just play music mm -hmm. and certainly a, a sanctuary away from everything, even, even the rest of the, um, the community, you, you, you you're not really you're kind of off out of the way from the rest of the community when you're in there also mm -hmm. so um, yeah you know we've had a lot of weddings at the hostel and uh and uh, one wedding that i conducted uh was in the labyrinth and all of the guests as well as the bride and groom walked the labyrinth before oh. and after the ceremony and uh that was uh, quite a spiritual experience too but you're right, but we had three hurricanes in a row. I mean, if three different years, seven, I think it was 17, 18, and 19, and uh, all coming in around October. And, uh, and, and of course, we lost an awful lot of trees. And we that's the only tree house that we lost. But I don't know if you remember, Ryan, but we have a staff village out back with mm -hmm. uh, little huts out there uh for the for the staff to sleep and uh and uh it, it took out a couple of those uh but anyway i mean other than i mean there was one of the hurricanes i can't remember which that we probably lost over a hundred trees and uh but anyway there's not much we can do about that uh no, but you but you, you, you reuse that don't you i mean i know that a lot of the um the cedar shakes that are on the on the um, mm -hmm. on the domes, those come from the trees yeah. on the property. You mill them right on the property. And I'm, I'm guessing none of that wood has gone to waste. And, you know, daily, daily fire mm -hmm. pits. And, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no yeah. doubt. We, we definitely, of course, uh, you know, we, uh, we heat by, uh, fire, uh, you know, and so the, obviously we had plenty of wood to cut, to, to keep the fires going all winter long. And, uh, but no, you're right. And we build some of it. Well, we get a, a portable sawmill that they'll bring out and, and mill some of the trees, which, uh, they did. And, and, uh, the, the library where we have right now, that was, uh, the, the floor was built from, from the trees that were milled oh. uh, right there on the property that fell. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of people who are, you know, they they're searching through books and they're watching YouTube videos and they're watching, uh, you know, different inspirational people on television, going to workshops. And 
there's there's all kinds of modalities out there that are available for those who are seeking. I mean, I think you use that word to be, always being a seeker. And I, I, I want to ask you what advice you would offer to maybe maybe a younger generation um, for those who are kind of trapped in the the nine to five who are trapped in the expectations and the narratives that have been placed upon them maybe by their by their families or by their their you know their generation you know the millennial generation what advice would you offer to them to kind of find their way to their true self to find their way back to back home yeah well you know it's interesting and coincidental i guess that you asked that yesterday there's a uh, a federal judge from Atlanta who has a home, uh, a, a vacation home just down the street from me, and uh, I've met him and uh, on several occasions. And but anyway, we went walking on the beach yesterday, and we walked two or three miles, I guess, on the beach. And he asked me the same question. He's he's a younger guy, probably uh, late forties, maybe fifty. Uh, but he said, you know, I want to know what, what I could offer to him. And, and I said, you know, honestly, I think what turned my life around was meditation and, uh, being in an ashram and, uh, and, and I still meditate daily. In fact, I have a meditation room in my home and, and that has meant so much to me because I mean, all of us, you know, when we're, you're in a society that is always moving all the time and bad things happening all the time. And, and, and you, you need, a, you got to have a place to get away from that. And it doesn't matter. I told him, I said, if you don't meditate any more than 20 minutes, that it's, it would really be helpful. And, uh, you know, I try to shoot for an hour, but sometimes it may be half an hour, but, but still, it's it's just so important to to center your life and and to you know to try to shut out uh, all of the troubles and everything. Because I don't know about you, Ron, but I, I have uh, I don't even know how to get rid of it. But I have something that uh, it's a news thing that pops up on my phone about every twenty or thirty minutes. And it's always something horrible, you know, <laughs> who always been killed in the office. And I'm like, you know, you just get bombarded with that all day long, and you just need a place to get away from it. And uh, so, yeah. so that, but, but, but then, uh, and of course, that can be done anywhere, uh, in cities or where it doesn't matter. But, 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 but other than meditation, again, just repeating myself, nature. If if you can find a place to go in nature, uh, it's just and preferably alone. Uh, yeah. I've done a lot of solo hiking, and uh, gosh, it's just so good because you think your thoughts and try to put your life in perspective. And uh, and of course, you you live in a beautiful area too. I've done a lot of hiking out there in Zion, and uh, uh, gosh, I, I, we must have canoed the Green River at least six times or more. Yeah, uh, but but it's so pretty out there. I love Utah. Um, and no, it's 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 certainly a, a great place. You know that the the Hindus call in, sometimes refer to nature as Ishwara, which is 
kind of it's kind mm-hmm. of God and 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 in everything though it's God in everything mm-hmm. and in mm-hmm. the trees and in the river and and it's when you can tune into that vibration of saying that's I'm not looking to the heavens for this mythical creature, you know, or person. Mm-hmm. I'm actually seeing God before me. Is oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, it it is a big change in perspective, and 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 so what I hear a lot, Tom, is well, you know what is I would meditate, but I can't quiet my mind. What would you say to those people who say I I would meditate, but I just I just can't calm, I just can't quiet my mind. Well, it, it it's it's true. It is hard to quiet your mind, but but with practice you can, and yeah. uh, it just it's just a matter of discipline, and uh, you've got to you know just sit preferably i mean i'm very fortunate to have a meditation room that of course is completely dark and i can sit there and uh and breathing of course is so very important to uh deep breathe and uh and and then try to focus the mind uh more like shut off the mind uh and and it's just so very helpful and and i, I have people tell me the same thing you know I can't meditate because my mind is always racing. Well, that you know that is true, and I guess it's true with most all of us. But but you can train the mind, and so with uh, uh, make a habit, a form a habit of of uh, stilling the mind by meditation. And for me, that's the best way to do it. Yeah, you you know uh, Patanjali in his Yoga Sutra said that 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 yoga, you know, is this this thing that calms the whirlwind of the mind. And that makes me think of, um, it makes me think of the hurricane that we were just talking about. You know, the hurricane can be this violent and destructive force and it's always spinning. You know, it's, it's kind of like our thoughts, they're always spinning. And, but there is that place, which is the eye of the storm that is very Mm -hmm. calm and peaceful and Mm -hmm. it is it is still and it doesn't mean that all the thoughts stopped moving it doesn't mean that the wind is stopped blowing it just means that you're in the Mm -hmm. place where that peace is Mm -hmm. i think i think we can do that through our meditation is jump into that Mm -hmm. eye of the storm Mm -hmm. and just calm it using the tools that we have whether that be nature or you mentioned breath work which is one of my favorites to to get there um we we just have to use the tools and actually give it a try (laughs) right yeah no that's a great analogy Ryan. the uh the eye of the storm because i think that that spells it out uh, exactly what it is because it's like you say it the things that are bothering us are still going on out there it doesn't take that away, but what it does is just help you to deal with it. Yeah. You know, as we as we walk this path to self-realization, I, I don't. It's not always the goal for everyone, but I I think that that our that our purpose in life is really just to be happy, and and in being happy, that is our self-realization is that we were designed to be happy on this earth we are designed to live our lives to be happy and i think you know there's there's two types of of buddhas you know uh, you can kind of chime in on this the one who finds their self-realization uh, of that through meditation and that who they are and what their purpose is and then really kind of just stays with that in in silence and then there's the the bodhisattva you know the one who wants to 
to share that information, to share those tools and says, hey, this is what self-realization is and this is how you can get there. It's not, it's not just something that was for these mythical creatures or, or for these people who lived a long time ago. It wasn't just for Gandhi. It wasn't just for you know, the Dalai Lamas. It, it, this is something that you can attain. And, and yeah. I, I wanted to, 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 to see if you could chime in on that, what, about what self-realization means to you and what it actually is. What is self-realization? Well, you know, for me, uh, and then I guess you, you know, I found this out daily in my daily work, that, uh, you know, you can't just be self-centered. And that it's so important to do things for others. And and that's where I mean the more you do for others, the the, the better you feel about yourself. Yeah. And uh, and 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 that's I mean that is just I love that bumper sticker. Uh, what is it? Uh, commit random act of acts of of uh, what is it? Commit random acts of of helping. So that's not the right word, but anyway, I like that. Uh, of helping others and and it can be something small you don't have to go give your money away you can of course and that would help but but it can be as small as uh in traffic you're driving along and and somebody's on the side trying to get in you know it doesn't hurt a thing just to stop and let them come in and i mean that's a really small little thing that you do for others but then what i notice anytime i do that then and we're going on further down that if somebody else is trying to come in then the guy that i just let in will stop and let him in so it, mm-hmm. it, it you know it, it 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 passes on to others if you do a good thing for somebody then they will it will remind them to do something good for someone else yeah yeah uh, it certainly is is re- it's uh it- a residual thing that says uh, I'm going to follow this vibration. And I, th- I think that's true. And maybe that's kind of what the, the, the hostel does for people too, is there, there is a vibration of caring and sharing and loving that is not always apparent in the city and in your job, that, that it certainly is when you, when you come to visit the hostel where the, whether it be the gratitude circles before dinner, or whether that be just giving someone a hug that you just met, um, you know, there there is that that simple act of kindness that I think many of our spiritual teachers of our time will um, will will also be you know describe. You know, I don't think they would anyone ever would meet some of these spiritual teachers of our time and say they weren't kind and they weren't compassionate. Um, and that's something that, that, that you're teaching through your works, not, not necessarily through your words all the time. It's just through your works. Um, you know, even, even in your daily word today, I mean, I, I received it right before we, right before we, uh, got on the, got on the call here, it was talking about, um, seeking inspiration every day and, that may come in different ways, whether that be through prayer or meditation or sunrise or sunset or yoga, and really just seeing those beauties that are around you so that you can help and be of service to others. I mean, it's it's like you're going to receive that and then say, ah, now I don't feel as I'm in reactive mode. I'm in a more 
giving and responsive mode. And I think that that is, um, we, we forget, don't we, Tom? We, we forget because we're so worried about paying the mortgage, right? We're so worried about, uh, yeah. you know, um, the, the, our relationships. And we're really worried about the narratives that, that we are um, trying to maintain. I am, I am, a, I'm going to use, I'm going to use you for example. I'm an attorney, so I must act in the way that attorneys act. But that's not true now, is it? Mm -hmm. You know? Well, uh, no, I hope not. Yeah, uh, I don't know. You probably don't know this, but my my practice is uh, solely in the preparation of wills and, of course, powers of attorney and healthcare directives. And then when people die, I handle their estates. And I don't do any uh, any contested cases at all. Yeah, and, I mean I've done it, believe me, in the past, and it's just not something that I'm cut out for. Uh, but. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I really do my best to, to help people. But then I think, okay, well, you are, you know, really reaching out and helping people, but you also charge them. So doesn't that take the favor away? I don't know. I think about that a lot of times. Uh, yeah. But, but uh, I mean, the bumper sticker I was trying to think of was uh, commit random acts of kindness. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I like that because... Uh, you know, there's so much that, I mean, you, I mean, like I say, in in no matter what your job is, you can do it as 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 well as you possibly can, and 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 try to be helpful to the people you're working with, but uh, but also that you know there's just um, other things that you can do, simple things that you can do, and, and I don't know, it just makes you feel better about yourself. Yeah. And, and that's so important is to think well of yourself. Uh, you, you know, you can't think that you're an evil person. You, you've got to, to uh, and of course, it, all of us is, is a long way off from being perfect. But uh, if you think that, okay, I may not be perfect, but I'm on the path and I'm trying as hard as I can. And, uh, and so... You know, if you can do that and think, think well of yourself, then that helps you to help others, don't you think? Oh, most definitely. It's it's kind of like that vibration um, becomes your state of being, and I I, I notice that I be I, at least since going on to my own spiritual path um, that my vibration has been that of more kindness and compassion and less reactivity, um, which has certainly probably increased my health. Um, you know, uh, I think oh, yeah. we're in a place of anxiety and stress. We're more mm -hmm. susceptible to disease and infection and virus. Mm -hmm. And there's all kinds yeah. of reasons why we want to maintain our nervous system and how we show mm -hmm. up. And breath work mm -hmm. helps with that. Meditation helps with that. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's so true. Yeah. And, you know, they there's, there's so many things that we can do we just have to try them and I, I you know i i think you've lived a uh at least from an outside perspective one that has been quite full of um you know adventure and healing um change and inspiration and i i want to ask you you know if if you were to you know with all the works that you've done in the in the publications and the you know, the places that you've been, but if you could leave a, a, a message, kind of like that bumper sticker that you like, 
Um, if you could leave one message when you transition and there's, this is your one, your one message to, to the planet, to, to your friends and family, what message do you think you would write down to, to put on a plaque mm -hmm. or a, a sign yeah. that, that, that you could summarize your life and the message you'd want to leave to them? Well, I mean, what I would say is to be a conduit. And, and and just open up and allow your body to be a conduit for the Holy Spirit and let the, the Spirit flow through you and out to others. I mean, I think that's the most important thing you can do. And, uh, of course, you got to learn to open up, and you can't be closed. You've got to be open. And, again, meditation helps me with that. But if I can just and, – and when somebody – says some congratulatory thing to me about, oh, you helped me out. And I think, I want to say I don't do this, but I think it really wasn't me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, all I'm doing is just being a conduit. I'm letting that spirit flow through me and out to others. And, and I think if you can do that, that's the one thing that I would certainly highly recommend. Be a conduit of the spirit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's what they teach. And, um, you know, when we, uh, you, if you get Reiki training and whatnot, is that, that, that the, that the healing that, that, they, that you can provide is not from the person, that it is certainly a mm -hmm. conduit from somewhere else. And you are working to yeah. be in alignment to receive that. Right. And I, I talk about that mm -hmm. a lot in my, the meditations that I guide is just, be open to receive and not in resistance to uh to that change that could happen you know um, yeah or that or whatever that is whatever that is i've seen some you know pretty miraculous things and i'm sure you have too that that have happened from when we're just open to receive rather than trying so hard you know we uh, mm -hmm. stop trying so hard get out of your own way right get out of your own way mm -hmm. and yeah, and start right. to allow you know and and that's that's kind of what I I wake up in the morning. Um, we were talking about those messages that come through the phone. I don't I don't turn my phone on um, other than this morning because we were meeting. But uh, I don't have my phone on until after nine a.m. and I t it's, mm -hmm. it's off after nine p.m. and I don't subscribe to uh, to look at different apps and things to kind of mm -hmm. keep that vibration away, um, you know, uh, to, yeah. to, to, to kind mm -hmm. of push that away, um, whether that be through pop-ups or bad news feeds. Cause mm -hmm. I, I was listening to, um, I actually just did a book club um, for an author, a guy named Jay Shetty. And one of his quotes from his book was, your news feed is feeding your mind. And, mm -hmm. And that's certainly the case. What is on your news feed? What is, who are you hanging around? What places are you visiting? Mm -hmm. What are you watching mm -hmm. on television and, and, and music? And, you know, as a kid, I always thought that my parents were trying to, to, to feed me like religious dogma by keeping me off of TV and, and, and music. But what they were really doing was feeding my news feed with things that were uplifting. And mm -hmm. at the time, yeah. I didn't realize that. I thought, I thought it was something to do with, with church. <laughs> I wasn't yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, you know, like I said a while ago, it's just the news. It, it, I mean, it doesn't make news unless it's something horrible, you know, and it's just like, Gosh, there's so many horrible things going on in the world at all times, and 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 that can do a number on you. You know, you, you you're not aware of it, but just 
of being knowing that it's existing and it's happening to other people and how horrible it is. Yeah. I mean, it, it does bring you down. And, and, and I mean, unfortunately, there's not anything I can do about it. I wish I could, but I, the only thing I know to do to, is to just be the best person I can be because I can't cure all the ills of society. Yeah. Yeah. And just, and just, uh, and just keep, I guess, keep uplifting, keep being compassionate, keep sharing. And, um, and that's certainly what, what you've done with your, your latest book. I, I need to, to get a copy of it and all the other books that I have of yours, I've actually picked up when I've, and I've visited the hostel and now, uh, you know, since it's been closed, I'm going to order this one from Amazon so they can find Pine View to Paris on, um, which is a recollection of characters along the way that is found on Amazon. Is that the best place to, to find your book, Tom? Yeah. Uh, Amazon has all nine of my books. Okay. And, uh, and, and that's, that's the best place to get it. Of course, if, if I, anybody I see in person, I hand it over to them. If they want it, I don't offer it. But if somebody wants a book, I'll, I love giving them away. Uh, but but just one minute about the book, if we've got time. Is yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's about characters that I've known in my lifetime. And, and there are, <laughs> believe me, I've known some characters. And, uh, and, and uh, a lot of it is amusing. And uh, some of it is, you know, it's just like, my gosh, are there people like that that really exist? And uh, but anyway, I just decided to put all those characters together that I've known. And uh, I told somebody the other day that coward that I am, all of these people are deceased, <laughs> <laughs> so they can't come back and, and uh, sue me. <laughs> Uh, I think I think I but, read that, uh, that, that, that yeah they're all deceased except you do write about your wife in this book correct Oh yeah my goodness she she's one of the characters and uh, <laughs> I think the way we met is really interesting you might, I don't know if you you've read that or not but No I not it's you need to, Oh god well it's, it's kind of a long story so I don't know if we have time for that well, I will, uh, you know, we can search, it's in the book. Um, I, I'm guessing maybe that's where Paris came into place, you know, because Pineview, we, we, we talked about that, but, and then all the way over to mm -hmm. Paris, um, you know, along with the Daily Word. Is there a way to, for our listeners to, to if they were interested in signing up for the Daily Word, is there a... a, a oh, absolutely, yes. I mean, uh, I, I'm happy to give anybody my email address, and uh, and and all they got to do is ask me, and then I'll I'll put you on. And like I said, I have a uh, 197 people that are on my list now, and I have a uh, a company that uh, I send the daily word to, and then they send it out to all of the recipients. Yeah. And uh, but I'd be most happy to put anybody on, and and. Uh, my email is tdennard, T-D-E-N-N-A-R-D, at bellsouth.net. And if you just write me and say, I want to be on the Data Word, I'll put you on immediately. I will add that to, uh, to the show notes along with a link to your, to, your, um, to your newest book, and they can find it through there. Because, yeah, I was kind yeah. of, I guess, grandfathered mm -hmm. in. I, I'm, I mean, I've been getting the Daily Word for a long, long time, and it, it, it's when it was, I think we... I just said, Hey, will you add me to your email list? You know, I, when we were in person is how that happened. Maybe it was one of the 
the the forest managers you know that that helped me do that but uh, you know it's it's been a long time so yeah I, i'll i'll add that to the yeah. show notes along with a link to to your newest sure. book and maybe yeah, a couple fun. others um and so yeah. the hostel is getting ready to reopen for those who are interested in in visiting i'm gonna mm-hmm. i'm gonna talk to to some of my 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 new year's eve friends uh miss pinto and, and others and we're gonna see if we can yeah do a uh do a little visit to uh this year i'd like to actually i've been talking about doing a retreat for the listeners and and you know that might actually be a good spot mm-hmm. um to come and yeah. do that once you're back open again um and yeah coordinate yeah. that through the managers at the, at the place but um yeah mm-hmm. you know i think that, well you know we do a lot of retreats we do yoga yeah. retreats and meditation retreats and artist retreats and you know a lot of different retreats that we do and uh so i mean that's certainly available yeah i i want to encourage the listeners that are if you're looking for a space that is that of healing and a place that you can re-emerge yourself into nature if that is the vibe that you're looking for the hostel in the forest is certainly a, a great way to do that you can find them through facebook and through the web page just you know calling or, or emailing the manager um, at um, Hostel in the Forest, and they can coordinate that with you um, to kind of set that up um, because um, it is limited. I forget how many tree houses are on site now, Tom. Do you? How many? Oh gosh, you know, uh, I think we have ten. Ten, ten. tree houses. Yeah, ten, and, and each uh, one of them sleeps. You know, some of them sleep up to six, and some of them sleep just you know two or four. But yeah, um, right. you know, so you could do a retreat of you know thirty or forty. No problem. Um, you know, I've done a few there, um, artist retreats and yoga retreats where we've had about that many. Um, certainly for meals, it, it, it's accessible for that. And all the, there's plenty of other facilities around. It's easily accessible from, uh, you know, from Jacksonville or if you want to drive down from Atlanta, um, easily accessible um, by car. So, yeah, we're, we're halfway between Savannah, Georgia and Jacksonville, Florida. Um, so yeah. And one other thing I might mention to you, uh, that you probably don't know is we've had to increase the price because Uh. we, we have accumulated a lot of debt we need to pay off. So it's now $40, uh, a night per person. And, uh, but, but that includes, um, your evening meal that we, we furnish an evening meal. And, and of course, your fresh eggs for breakfast. <laughs> well, I, I I will tell you some of the best food I've eaten has been at the hostel, and there's been a, a number of of kitchen managers who have come and gone who have provided a lot, and there's a a couple of characters that um, I won't name them, but I will tell you that they've they've provided some amazing meals, which are usually um, very, um, vegan friendly you know, they're, they're, they're plant-based meals. Um, even yeah. some of it, now that the garden is done really well, a lot of it is mm-hmm. from the garden. Um, yeah. I, I'll tell you a story about one of the kitchen managers. I, I saw him and he had a, a handful of, of mushrooms. And I was like, where did you get all those? And, and he wouldn't tell me where he got all these mushrooms because he was growing them uh, somewhere in the forest. And he said, ah, you know, this is my special stash. This is, I'm using it for dinner tonight. And so he had this handful of um, mushrooms and they were just delicious and amazing and fresh. And I remember 
actually running into where he was picking these mushrooms later on in my visit uh -huh. and they were covered yeah. with um covered with bees and and and, uh -huh. yeah. and and i said and he went through the process to to get the mushrooms to get into the bees and i was just super grateful for that another another uh -huh. manager i um he had uh, jars of um, kimchi that he had buried around the property oh yeah uh -huh. and um i just loved it i had never i had not really had kimchi i think i maybe in small mm -hmm. small portions but i'd never really put it on everything mm -hmm. and, and i had asked him I said you buried it where did you bury it and he said well that is a secret known only to me and <laughs> so there is a little bit of mystical things there might be buried um bottles of kimchi still on the property that we don't know about yeah are buried somewhere that you just need to know where they are so yeah making making efforts to, to do that which is really yeah really fun and they they, they uh, also make kombucha as well and yeah. uh, usually keep a jar of kombucha out there for everybody uh and all the meals are vegetarian and then but they also uh, have a special section of for vegan so uh you know we try to accommodate our our guests as much as possible but but our organic gardens are really something to see they are beautiful they really are yeah i know that that that, that, that garden is dependent upon the staff who's there working and Mm -hmm. you know maintaining it and when they're you know your busy busy times the garden sometimes doesn't get as uh as tended to or as times where now you have an opportunity to really cultivate it there's been some some um staff that have been there that that was their passion and they've made the garden really amazing and there's been times yeah. where you know i know that there at one point there was a really beautiful herb garden and um, mm -hmm. a butterfly garden and there was some other areas and mm -hmm. yeah so those who are looking to um maybe be of service and have the availability and know something about permaculture they can certainly reach out to the the manager mm -hmm. of the hostel and say hey i'm, I'm mm -hmm. wanting to come and volunteer spend a few months yeah um, i know that there is yeah. a, a a limited um staff that, that is there and they can go through a little bit of an interview process they can only stay for a few months um mm -hmm. and, and and be of service so those who are looking to to give um, can certainly reach out to the to the manager of the hostel in the forest and say, "Hey, I'm looking to give, and I have this skill, and um, mm -hmm. and, and and they can come in for to interview to be a, a part of the beautiful staff that's there." So yeah, and we're looking for staff right now. So okay, uh, we uh, we're trying to we we've hired our new manager. She's a, a PhD from Miami who's about to go in the Peace Corps in, uh, my, in January. Mm. And she's going to manage the hostel until then. And, and she has a partner who is uh, uh, a cook in, in uh, a restaurant down in Miami. And so he'll be our kitchen manager. <laughs> oh, uh, so, But we are looking for staff members. But about the garden, you were talking about the garden, and I'm sure you're talking about the one on Mr. Road, which is mm -hmm. our main garden. But you need to see the garden in the solar field. Oh. Because that has now become the main garden. Oh, they yeah. grow so much stuff over there. And uh, so we really have two gardens. Oh, well, yeah, I'll definitely have to come see that. I, I know the, the solar field was getting some uh, some maintenance the last time I was there. Um, clearing a few things and keeping the solar power going. Um, it would be amazing if we could power the whole place on solar. But you're, you're augmenting um, using solar. Um, you know, but you're you're still on grid a little bit, a little bit. 
Yeah, well, yeah, we do. We do as much soil as we can. But uh, because it's so wooded, you know, back there, we, we really don't have all that much sunshine. Yeah. And uh, so it, that makes it a little bit difficult to use uh, solar. But we, we do have some panels, and we, we do try. And yeah. we do have them out there in the solar field because there's more sun out there. Yeah, yeah. Well, Tom, thank you for joining me today. Um, I, I, I wanted to, to, to end our conversation kind of with what your final message was to the, to the world, and that is what we need to be a conduit of the spirit. And, mm -hmm. and the rest will, will happen. The rest will happen. I think that you know, one of your, one of your in, in, people who inspires you was Gandhi, and I think that he would echo that saying that, you know, it's not my work. It's not my work that I'm doing. I'm doing the work, you know, oh, yeah. that, that of, that of the spirit and yeah. certainly walking in, in his footsteps. I would, I would say that, that, that you are, and I, I, am very grateful for the work that you've done and your, in your works and your daily word. Um, um, I know it's, it's humbling to, 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 to think that, but that's, that's how, others see you so thank you for your service to this planet if i can add one more thing ryan when you're talking about walking in gandhi's footsteps i actually did when i was in <laughs> delhi and uh and and then i went to his home and they have the footprints uh, marked out as he was walking out into to go to his meditation place uh where he was assassinated so I made it a point to walk in his footsteps. So it's funny That's when amazing. you said that because I, I actually have. <laughs> you know, I didn't spend much time in Delhi um, when I was there. Uh, I I tried to get to northern India as quick as possible. Delhi really yeah. kind of stressed me out a little bit, um, just the people and the traffic mm -hmm. and the noise. Uh, but oh I, lord, yeah, yeah. That is something that I would like to do when I find myself in a position where I can spend more time. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. That, that, that's amazing that you were able to do that. I, I hope you captured a picture of that, or it's just a, you know in your in your mind somewhere. But yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, Tom, thank you for joining uh, Life as an as Observer today. I can't wait to come yeah. see you, and we'll hang out for tea. Yeah. And uh, I'll bring you I'll bring you some uh, some Red Rocks from Southern Utah. <laughs> Okay. Well, Ryan, it's been my pleasure. I've certainly enjoyed it, and I thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, Tom. I will. Uh, this this will go out later today, and um, I will certainly tag all those. Uh, you'll be able to find Tom's email in the show notes, uh, link to the hostel, and a link to his newest book, uh, Pine View to Paris. Thank you, Tom. Okay. Thank you. Talk to you later.